a couple weeks ago, somebody said to me, you say a lot, it's okay to not be okay. Is it okay to also be okay? Like, is it okay if you come in and you don't feel like your life's a mess? Yes, absolutely. I would hope that you're not only here and participating when things are falling apart. Maybe by being here when things aren't, we can prevent things from falling apart. Maybe not. But we, we say every single week that you can come as you are. Because the truth of the matter is, if we don't regularly remind ourselves that this is who we're going to be, our natural sinful temptation will be to accidentally put up barriers that push people away. Always. Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. Good morning. It is good to be here this morning with you. And for those of you joining us on live stream, I'm glad you can be here too. We, every single week, say a few things you've probably heard if this is not your first time here. And if it is your first time, you've already heard them a couple of times. Here at this place, it's okay to not be okay. And we invite you to come as you are. And we mean that. And I love this video because there's a whole host of reasons people might not want to be a part of the church. A whole long list of things that push people away from the community of faith. Some of them, I think, are more insignificant than others. Like in some cases, people say, I don't want to go to the church because I don't like the music or the pastor's really boring or I don't like the way he dresses. And I think those kinds of reasons to not be a part of a church are just silly. But there's other reasons people say no to the church that make a lot of sense. The church teaches things that just simply aren't true. Or the church is really consumed with some really unhealthy goals and ambitions. They're all about the building and the space and not so much the people and the community around us. Or maybe reasons like I tried church, I tried to be connected, and it was really judgmental. They pushed me away. Just last week, uh, before he knew this was what we were going to talk about today, and somebody who's been a part of the point for much longer than I have sent in a connect card and said, you know, I love that we talk about come as you are every week. What if one time we explained why we talk about that and where that comes from in scripture? I was like, well, you have no idea. That's literally next week's plan. So, uh, you know, it's really important to recognize that these reasons a lot of churches push people away is because somewhere down the line, most likely unintentionally, probably not on purpose, somewhere down the line they lost sight of Jesus. See, when you begin to set up things that are requirements for people before they can come in, like you need to get your life together and not be a mess, 
or it's not okay to have Jesus and a counselor. Like when we begin to set these things before people and say, fix your mess and then come in. Or we begin to say things like, here's our dress code, wear your Sunday best. You know what, there's nothing wrong with the Sunday best. In fact, if you all wanted to show up next week in suits and ties, I would be floored. I don't want to show up that way, but you're welcome to it. See, the idea behind Sunday best is that when you show up, you're honoring God by putting forth effort to say this is something special and unique. And there's nothing wrong with that unless maybe your Sunday best is nowhere close to somebody else's Saturday worst. And you show up and you begin to look and feel out of place from the start. I think very few churches want to push people away. But sometimes in good intentions, we can focus our energies on things that don't matter. You have too many tattoos or you drink too much or you know what, your relationships, they seem to be too big of a hot mess or maybe once you figure out those questions and that doubt, maybe you'll be ready to be a part of who we are. Well, churches have been pushing people away from Jesus long before we as the point ever came to be, long before any church in Knoxville came to be. You see, what we're going to look at today in Scripture is a story that comes from Galatians, where there in the very beginning, shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection, the people of God began to put up barriers and things that had to come before somebody could be a part of the community of faith. And specifically in the story of Galatians, what we're going to look at is a guy named Paul confronting a guy named Peter. And if you don't know who those two are, let me just tell you really quickly. Paul was a religious man who really loved God, was a devout Jewish man. He devoted his whole life to studying God's word, to teaching God's word, to making sure the community was shaped by God's word. So much so that when people showed up and started talking about this Jesus man who was telling people that he was not only the Messiah, he was the son of God, Paul got really offended and said, that is blasphemy. You can't say such things. And Paul, before his name was Paul, when his name was Saul, he, he went around persecuting and imprisoning and killing Christians in the name of God. And along the way, he encounters God. And Jesus asks him, why are you persecuting me? And suddenly his whole life is transformed and he begins to devote that same energy and that same focus not in condemning and killing Christians but instead in proclaiming to the whole world, let me tell you of this good news. A God who would welcome even a broken sinner like me. Now Peter on the other hand, Peter was one of Jesus' disciples Peter walked with Jesus, witnessed Jesus' miracles, ate the food when Jesus fed the masses, saw people rise from the dead. Peter walked on water simply because Jesus said, do so. And yet, Peter, time and time again throughout Scripture, just misses the mark. See, there's no measure of being with Jesus or being close to him that will make you someday get it all together. There's no amount of trying harder and doing more that someday you'll stop screwing up. Peter, all through the Gospels, time and time again, he opens his mouth and says something to Jesus, and then he inserts his foot when Jesus responds. Because he says things that are just not what God is doing. In fact, so much so that at one point, Jesus actually looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. 
Like the very things you're saying are not from God, they are from the devil. Could you imagine Jesus looking at you and saying that? And this same Peter who walked with Jesus, who was there with Jesus, who was the leader of the church from the start, he finds himself confused. And it doesn't seem like he's confused on purpose, but along the way he lost sight of what really mattered. And that's where we're gonna look today, Galatians chapter two. Here in Galatians, Paul, he's writing a letter to the church in Galatia. He says, look, I've heard these things about you and I need to help you understand you're missing the point. And in the first chapter, uh, and even the first chapter and a half, Paul basically says, who am I that you guys should listen to me? And he outlines, look, you know the life that I lived. You know how holy and righteous and great of a person I was and how in my self-righteousness I persecuted Christians and I wanted to kill them and condemn them. You know how great I was. And you know how the church, when I came to see who Jesus truly is and I came to follow after him, how the church tested me and the church waited to prove that this faith was genuine before they gave me authority. And, And Paul, he writes, you know that I have been given this great mission to go to the Gentiles and share with them this good news. Now, if you're not sure what a Gentile is, essentially, that's Scripture's way of saying anybody who's not born Jewish or who doesn't convert to Judaism through submitting themselves to the ways of the Old Testament law. So anybody who's not living according to the Old Testament or not born Jewish, you're automatically a Gentile. And this is a big problem for Jewish people because they were under the understanding and the impression that God had uniquely called them and made them different, that they were God's chosen people and the whole world would come to God only by coming through Judaism. Paul, he writes to Peter, and Peter's name is also Cephas, they're interchangeable, um, just different words in Greek to mean the same thing basically. So here he writes, beginning in verse 11, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. To understand what Paul's saying, you have to understand a little bit more about Judaism. You see, the way you became a Jew when you converted as an adult was circumcision. And if you don't know what that means, just a little piece of your life changes drastically. And and you would become a Jew by this outward sign, this physical evidence that you were now inwardly changed. And if you are a grown man needing to be circumcised, that could be a very big obstacle, a burden to becoming a follower of this faith. Peter, he was teaching the people, it says he was eating with Gentiles. Now, you and I, we live in a culture where we can eat with anybody. I mean, there's food courts where we eat surrounded by hundreds of people we don't know. And it doesn't really bother us. And most of us probably don't live day to day wondering, will we eat today? Because we can go to a store or a restaurant or even a food bank and there's food available to us. But 2,000 years ago, eating was a significant a significant role in the community. 
The people you ate with were your closest community because the food you ate didn't come from McDonald's or Chick-fil-A. The food you ate was food you raised and you prepared and it was a process and or- ordeal. So the people you invited to share that meal were supposed to be family and those closest to you. This is why time and time again, when Jesus ate with sinners, it offended the Jewish leaders. When Jesus invited Zacchaeus to come down from the tree so that he could go to Zacchaeus' house and eat, people were moved. Why would you do such a thing? Don't you know how terrible this man is? And Peter, he is eating with the Gentiles, a thing they weren't supposed to do. Because if you read in the Old Testament, the Jewish people were not supposed to allow in their midst, in their community, those who were not Jewish, those who were outside of the faith, unless they submitted themselves to the way of Judaism. Unless they became like a Jew, they were outside. And that was it. Paul, he's writing, he says, I opposed Peter to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles But when they came, he drew back and separated himself. See, there was a a time in Peter's life where he was okay to eat with anybody, to be in community and fellowship with anyone, Gentiles and Jews alike, but under pressure from this unknown circumcision party, a group of people who believed if you're not circumcised, you cannot be a part of the community of faith. If you're not like us, you have to be over there. And when they came, that pressure changed Peter. We can look and easily say, come on, Peter, what are you doing? And yet, how often does it happen for us today? We begin to change the way we act, or the way we talk, or the way we think, the way we dress, to fit in with the people around us. We want to be accepted. So we say, I'll do what you're doing even if I don't necessarily love it. I'll become like you if that means I'm invited. And when the church and the people of God begin to do this, we sometimes make it really difficult for people outside to become a part of us, to become one of us. We unintentionally, in, uh, by accident, we invite the opportunity to set up a barrier to say, if you don't look or think or talk or act like us, This isn't for you. So then he continues, and the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, How can you force the Gentiles to live like the Jews? This is what Paul's saying. He says, look, Peter, if you don't have it all together, if you're not perfect, if you're screwing up, how can you expect everybody else to get it right as well? And yet, how often do we as the church do that? We look at people who act differently than us and say, that's, that's not Christian. Maybe they don't spend enough time in the word or, or their prayer life's not very good or they're covered in tattoos. Or, we have a whole list of things that we say, that's not what a Christian would do. And unintentionally, we begin to build up walls around us as a church to say, you're not welcome here. 
you're not allowed in this place. Even with our traditions and our customs, the way we conduct our service, the way we gather, so easily becomes something that if you don't know what's happening, it's really confusing. Like, have you ever stopped to think about when we sing and we stand and we sit, how weird that may be for somebody who's never been a part of the church? It is weird. And when we pray things out loud together, like the Lord's Prayer, or sometimes we say the Apostles' Creed, if you have no idea what those things are, have you ever stopped to think about how strange that could be? And yet, to some extent, there's no avoiding it. When we are the kind of people God has made us to be, we will be different. And it's tempting, and even natural, to allow those differences to begin to push people away. Last week I shared that our mission at the point for the last 11 years has been to connect the disconnected to a growing and reproducing relationship with Jesus Christ. That is and always will be our mission. There are people who've been told uh, either with words that have been spoken or with actions that have been taken, you are not welcome in this place and in this people. You are outside of God's family. And so to connect the disconnected is to intentionally seek out those who are hurting, who are broken, who've been told you're not enough, and to do whatever we can to remove those barriers that keep them away. Not away from this place, away from Jesus. Unfortunately, probably weekly, certainly every other week, I hear from somebody in our community sometimes through private message, sometimes through conversation, I hear from somebody in our community who wants nothing to do with the church because the church looks nothing like Jesus. They've been a part of a community before that's burned them because they weren't good enough or a community that's burned them because they were holding to these truths and these values that isolated and alienated everybody else and there's no room for conversation to come in we far too often fall into the same trap that Peter fell into. Seeking approval, we push people away. And yet this is not the way of Jesus. In fact, Jesus time and time again offended people by going out to those who were not welcomed. And he sat down and he talked at the well with the woman who had been divorced multiple times. And the woman caught in adultery, rather than stoning her, he forgives her. The lepers he touches when that would have been a sign of unholiness and uncleanliness, instead of waiting for them to get it all together, he goes to them. Time and time again, Jesus is intentionally about those who've been far from God. That's what he expects of his people. And so here in this place, to help remind us every single week, this is what we're going to be about. Every single week we say, it is okay to not be okay. If your life isn't perfect, you're in the right place. Because your pastor isn't perfect by any means. If your life is a mess, that's okay. We don't want you to stay in the mess. If we can help you, we'd love to walk with you through it. But even if that solution and that answer and that healing isn't tomorrow, we're here for you. A couple weeks ago, somebody said to me, you say a lot, it's okay to not be okay. Is it okay to also be okay? Like, is it okay if you come in and you don't feel like your life's a mess? Yes. 
Absolutely. I would hope that you're not only here and participating when things are falling apart. Maybe by being here when things aren't, we can prevent things from falling apart. Maybe not. But we, we say every single week that you can come as you are. Because the truth of the matter is, if we don't regularly remind ourselves that this is who we're going to be, our natural sinful temptation will be to accidentally put up barriers that push people away. Always. This is why Jesus, he says, look, before you remove the speck in your brother's eye, first take the log out of your own eye. First you have to see how broken you are before you can even begin to help other people find healing. And so every week when we say come as you are, we're not only saying it to those who are new who've never heard it, we're saying it to one another. It is okay to not have answers. And in fact, you and I need to live in such a way that we let other people know that too. Not just for an hour on Sunday mornings and when I'm long-winded, an hour and a half. No, just in everything we do. It's okay if your life is a mess. When I first got here, people began asking me this question, and I still get it from time to time. You say that you can come as you are. Does that mean that you should stay that way? Like, what happens after you come, after you become a part of this family? Well, I have three kids at home, and I love them dearly, every one of them. Nothing they do will change my love for them or make me love them anymore. Although sometimes I show my love less to them when I'm angry or grouchy. But I love them just the same. And yet, in my love for my kids, I hope and pray they don't remain exactly the way they are. Like, for example, Ezra, who's a little over one years old, I love him so very much. And I also hope that as he grows, one day he stops telling me he's done eating by throwing all of his food on the floor. And, and as he grows, I hope one day he learns to use the toilet so I don't have to keep cleaning up after him. And, and Eden and, and Elijah, I love them too, and there are things about them that I hope for someday these will grow and become something different. And there are things about my kids that I hope never change that always remain, even as they may deepen or become more intense. When we come as we are and we come without any sort of barriers and any sort of expectations and nobody's telling you to fix your life or get it together, it's only then out of that place of vulnerability and honesty and real struggle, only then can we begin to become who God made us to be. See, every one of us needs to grow in our faith. That's why our mission is not just connecting people, but connecting them very clearly to a growing and reproducing relationship. And we're gonna talk over the next several weeks about how we grow and how we reproduce. It's not an added burden, another thing to do. It's simply living out what God is already doing in you. So as we gather and as we spend time with Jesus, we hopefully begin to become like him. This is why Peter, he writes, or why Paul, he writes to Peter and says, don't you know you stand condemned? If you who spent all this time with Jesus believe somebody has to do something first, don't you know just how wrong that message is? We can never let something come first as a prerequisite. But only after we know that we're loved and after we receive that care and after Jesus begins to be in our midst, every one of us, 
Only then can he speak into us and say, here's how I want you to grow. Not so that I love you more, but so that you can experience the fullness of this life that I've made for you. So every week when we say, come as you are, I'm inviting you and Emily's inviting you. We are collectively inviting you to pause for a moment and say, how am I coming? Am I coming as somebody who has it all together? Am I coming as somebody who's wearing a mask and hiding and saying, I am not like those people? Or am I coming just with the honest truth that I need Jesus in the same way that you need Jesus and you do and we all need him? Every time we say, come as you are, I'm inviting you to say, what in me needs to grow? Not first, but as a result. What in me needs to become who God made me to be? I'm getting better at not yelling at people who cut me off in traffic. In large part because I realized that my blinker stopped working and I didn't know that. So all the time I'm ranting about people who don't use a blinker, I'm that guy. To become who God made you to be is every single day to learn a little bit more that his grace is sufficient It's not about how perfect or fixed or put together you are. It's about how perfect he is and how much he loves you. So come over and over and over again to the foot of Jesus. Here on Sunday mornings, tomorrow in your office or in your bedroom or in your kitchen, come exactly as you are and become who he made you to be. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We're thankful for the words of Paul who would confidently and bravely even challenge Peter, one of your disciples, to say, if you hold that we must do something first, you stand condemned. God, I pray that we as a people would not put any barriers or obstacles to those around us. We would not put expectations of things they must do or ways they must act before we invite them to come and experience your love. God, may we not just expect them to come and experience your love on Sunday mornings, but may we expect them to experience your love through us each and every day. That as we become who you made us to be, your love would shine through. As we become who you made us to be, you would be the one that people see in us. And God, may we bring healing to those who've been burned by the church, who have legitimate reasons to stay away. May they see in us hope and peace and love that something could be different for them as well. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. As we continue our worship this morning, we're going to continue by collecting an offering. And if that's a weird concept to you, let me just make it really simple. We believe that an offering is an opportunity to trust God with our finances and also an opportunity to partner with what God is doing through this place and through us as a people. And so if you came prepared today to give and you would like to do so with cash and check, The popcorn buckets will be in the back corners when you exit, and you can put one of those physical connect cards. If you filled one out in front of you, you can put those with your offering in the bucket as you leave. 
And if you came prepared today to give an offering and you preferred to do so electronically, you can do so at thepointknocks.com by clicking the little, is it blue or teal? The, the little button in the bottom corner, I think it's teal now, I just can't remember. Uh, you click that button and you can give safely and securely online. However you give and whatever you give, know this, we don't give to get God's love, but because we already have it. Thank you. All right, now to your questions. Any big doozies today? There's actually only one question texted in today. Okay. Um, so it says, when you go to heaven, will you know your mother and father as you know them on earth? Like, will you realize that that's your mother, brother, sister, etc.? And then follow-up question, also, do you think Jesus knows Mary as his mother? Yes and yes. Uh, I certainly think you will know people, and yet at the same time, my wife has never been able to know me without sin. So I'm going to be so much better then than I am now. She probably won't even recognize me. <laughs> so yes, I do believe we will know people and we'll see each other because we will be one family for all of time. And that's super exciting. Um, and I also think that we will be significantly better than we could ever imagine in picture. And does Jesus know Mary as his mother? Yeah. I am baffled by the mystery that for all of eternity, Mary will be the mother of God, the only person who's ever given birth to God in some mysterious and wonderful way. So I think he does, but what does that mean? I don't know. I have no idea how that relationship works there before his throne. So good question. That was that's, it? That's the only question we got today, yeah. Well, that wasn't too difficult. You guys are always welcome to text in any question, even during the week. And if I don't have an answer, I'll do my best to do some research and find a way to respond and um, share something later in the week on social media. So um, with that then, for being so simple, receive this blessing, which I guess I'd give to you even if you were complicated. So receive it either way, right? <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he look upon you with favor. May he give you his peace. Amen. Amen. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.